Welcome to episode 84 of the Night Shift. And it's fitting that it's episode 84 because it feels like the game between the London Knights and the Windsor Spitfires had 84 <laughs> goals scored in it. There were actually only 17. We're going to get into that game. We are going to talk about the London Knights and the Owen Sound Attack, the Knights and the Guelph Storm. We're going to hear from Mark Hunter. We are going to hear from Rob Simpson as we talk about a trade that the Knights made that sent Brody Crane to the Niagara Ice Dogs for Christopher O'Flaherty, two third-round picks, and a fourth-round pick. We're going to talk about Ryan Winterton. We are going to talk about William Moore, the Knights' first-rounder from 2023. And we're going to hear from Oliver Bonk, and Evan Van Gorp and Ryder Bolton on the craziness that was a 10-7 victory in Windsor that was as junior hockey as junior hockey can get. My name is Mike Stubbs, along with Kyle Grimard. Thanks so much for giving us a listen on the night shift. Tell other Knights fans about it. Send us any reactions that you might have. You can find Kyle on socials at Kyle Grimard. G-R-I-M-A-R-D. You can find me at Stubbs980. That's Stubbs with two Bs. You can email Mike at 980cfpl.ca. We've actually got an email question we'll get to later on in the episode. But Kyle, we had a game that for the first 31 minutes and 15 seconds featured 13 goals, averaging a goal every two minutes and 24 seconds. Sometimes it didn't quite take that long. Sometimes it only took, oh, 15 seconds for one goal to be followed by another goal or three goals in five minutes and 11 seconds. There was craziness at the WFCU center that made it feel like it was, I don't know, 1996. I. It's just when, if you had someone that was coming from overseas or that was not a junior hockey follower and was going to their first game and, and asked you, what do you expect or what can you tell me about junior hockey? I think the one thing that everyone would say is it's unpredictable. You could get a zero zero game that goes into a shootout and ends one, nothing, or you can get this. You can get a game where you're getting a goal every two and a half minutes, every 15 seconds, 17 combined goals between the two teams. And Mike, you mentioned it too. It's crazy that there was a stretch during this game. I think it was almost 19 minutes long or 18 something that there were no goals scored, which is almost a third of the game, which means over the other 42 minutes, 17 goals were scored during that span, which is just remarkable. Mike, what are some of the highest scoring? You've covered this team, this, this sport for a long time. What uh, in your memory, what are some of the higher scoring games that you've either witnessed, been a part of or can remember? Okay, well, I mean, the one that stands out the most is one that didn't actually go in the Knights favor because there are other games that we'll get to that the Knights won. Rob Schramp had an eight point night or Corey Perry had an eight point night to tie the Knights record. Those existed, but there was a game in 1996-97. So this was after the 360 and three year that the Knights franchise went through. Their first round pick was Rico Fada, and he was taken first overall. And that year he played against his old team, the Sioux Greyhounds. The puck drops at center ice. Rico Fada takes it 10 seconds into the game. He scores. This is going to be quite a night. Well, it was because the Sioux Greyhounds scored 15 unanswered. So there were 16 goals in that game. 
They won the game 15 to one. The Knights had a one nothing lead 10 seconds into the game. And I'm pretty sure the Sioux scored pretty close after that. And then it was just Sioux St. Marie the rest of the way in the biggest way. So that's a very memorable one. Maybe a tough one for Knights fans who would have witnessed it. But over the years, if we go back to the 2004-2005 team, the Knights had a 14-1 win over Kingston. That was Corey Perry and his record-setting night. The next year, Rob Shrimp had a big day in Mississauga. This is the game that we talk about sometimes where I still swear Rob Shrimp was a step inside the red line because this was played at old St. Mike's Arena. So this would have been against the... St. Mike's majors at that time. They wouldn't have had any Mrs. Saga to them, but it shows up in the record books as Mrs. Saga. So it was a 14-6 final. Rob Shrimp steps over the red line and wires one top corner. I swear it happened. This was the tiniest rink. The Knights beat Ottawa 10-5 in 2012-2013 with Max Domi and Bo Horvat. And that was the year that that team went to the Memorial Cup in Saskatoon. That was when those guys were 16 and 17. We're talking about Chris Tierney and Josh Anderson. And then the next year, as they were the hosts of the Memorial Cup, they had an 11-0 win over Sarnia. The 14-15 team actually hit double digits three times. So you would think, oh, a team of the century would have beat everybody by, you know, they would have scored 10 goals all the time. They didn't. Uh, the 14-15 team actually has the record, let's say, over the last 20 years or so of most times to hit double digits. Did it three times. And the most recent one, January 22nd, 2017, an 11-2 win over the Niagara Ice Dogs. So it hasn't happened all that often. The Knights got to nine goals against Owen Sound last year, but the Knights are a team that tends to play defensive hockey, and that's what wins. And so you're not looking to outscore your opponent 10-7. What you're looking to do is play solid defense. Defense will produce chances. Chances go in the net. You win the hockey game. It, it's that kind of a format. If you're wondering about the most goals ever in an OHL game, thank you to our good buddy Rob Maddock on this one because he actually That's... sent it to us during the game. The record is 22, but there's a neat twist about this that I just looked up. So I haven't had a chance to talk to a certain somebody about this. Oh, but you bet I will. So 22 is the record. It was originally done... January 21st, 1977, Sault Ste. Marie beat Peterborough 16 to 6. And then it happened again January 11th, 1980, when Ottawa defeated the Brantford Alexanders 16 to 6. So two similar scores. But on that Brantford Alexanders team in 1979 80 was a guy named Mark Hunter. We're going to hear from Mark Hunter on the podcast, but I didn't have a chance because I didn't know that until just now. And we talked with Mark a little earlier this week. I didn't have a chance to ask him about that. I'm going to try and jog his memory. That might be one that after what's it been 43 years, you try to suppress. That's one. That's a memory that just flies out of your brain and you just watch it go. I don't know how much he might remember from that game, if anything, but I still have to ask. And trust me, I will. And I, if you can go back in the bank and, and jog the memory of him and, and talk about not only that game, but maybe a memory or something like that. I think it's funny because I, I think his opinion would differ significantly from being a part of that game as a player 
to being a part of it now as a coach. <laughs> and I feel like I can tell you as a coach in those games, it doesn't matter if you're on the winning or losing side. No coach wants to be involved in a game where there are 17 plus goals scored. I think that Mark is happy that they won or and Dale was happy that they won the game. But I think that they are burning the tape on that and saying, this is not how we are going to be <laughs> successful in this league. So, well, that's it. Like a game like this, you're not going to grab a whole bunch of stuff, especially considering that the Knights are playing the next day and the day after that. You're largely going to maybe look at some things that went against you on the penalty kill because Windsor was four for seven on the power play. So, okay, what were they doing? How do we close those doors so that the Owen Sound attack and Guelph Storm try not to exploit the same thing? And that's about it. I don't think you're going to look at too much else because the Knights came out flying in the game. They scored two goals. The Spitfires got back-to-back -back power plays, scored on both and scored again quickly. And that just set the tone for this game. But it was weird. After the seventh goal that the Knights scored, so Ruslan Gazazov scores 15 seconds after Oliver Bonk gets his first of the season. And that makes it 7-6. If it had ended 7-6 or 8-6 with an empty netter, you wouldn't be surprised. And it wasn't that far off because it did go, like you said, Kyle, it went 18 minutes and two seconds without a goal. But in the end, there are a couple of things to watch for. We mentioned Oliver Bond scored his first goal of the season. We got a chance to talk with him about that. So the first goal of the season comes in an absolute landslide, but yours came at a pretty key time. Yeah, definitely important time. <laughs> so what were you guys doing, let's say, end of the first period? Because you came up flying in the second period, and then how did you overcome a 6-3 deficit? Yeah, we were just, we just weren't ready to play. Like, we got a couple goals in the first, and then kind of closed it down. We weren't really happy with how we ended it, so we just... Kind of came out. It was, it was kind of a shootout today, so was, we weren't very happy with our defense. But just like in these games, we just had to bury our chances, and we did. So at least we got the two points. Oliver Box had a tremendous year. He had 12 assists going into the game. Now he's got his first goal. And the other first was Evan Van Gorp making his OHL debut. Here's somebody who came to the London Knights training camp. There was no room on the roster. None. You look at how many returning players there were adding in draft picks. There was really very little chance that a free agent was going to get a look. But we talked with Rob Simpson before training camp, and he says, hey, there are always players who rise up. There are always players who make themselves known and can work their way onto our team. And what do you know? Evan Van Gorp was one of those guys. And Evan Van Gorp has been with the Strathroy Rockets, has had a really good start. He's been practicing with the Knights. And last night, he got an opportunity because the Knights had made a trade earlier in the day, yep. and Christopher O'Flaherty had not been able to arrive in time to play in the game against his former team. And he'll have five more cracks at his former team. He was originally a draft pick of the Windsor Spitfires. So that gave an opportunity, and Evan Van Gorp had earned a place, and away he went. And on, I think it was his second shift. He passes the puck out from behind the net, and Ryder Bolton gets his second of the year. So we had to catch up with Evan getting his first point in his first period in the OHL. It was awesome. You know, it was a dream come true, and it was wild. Great comeback from the boys, and it was good to get a win. You get an assist as well. Talk about the pass in front. Well, it went into the corner. I just heard Bolton screaming for it, and I just made a little pass right to him. He buried it. Good shot from him. The Ryder's right here. Ryder, what, what did you think of the pass? It was a nasty pass. Did the same thing in training camp. 
behind the back, behind the net. And here it goes in a game that ends 10-7. When was the last time you guys were in a game like that? Oh, never. We usually have better defense than that, but at least our offense was firing. And then nice to have Ryder join in as well. So even they can't remember in minor hockey or any other time being involved in a game quite like the one against the Windsor Spitfires on Thursday night. So the Knights and the Spitfires will put that one to rest. The next time they meet Kyle, you know it's a 2-1 final. You know it is. It's going to happen. It's 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 the hilarity of the league where you're expecting fireworks based off of the last matchup and then both teams are just so scared like we are not giving. Windsor's going into the next game against the Knights going we're we are not giving up double digit goals. I don't care what happens, but we are not giving them another 10th spot and I can fully see that game being significantly tighter. Um Mike you mentioned it before the game there was a trade. The Knights sending over Brody Crane to the Ice Dogs in exchange for Christopher Flaherty to the uh to Niagara in exchange for a couple of thirds and a fourth along with Brody Crane. Your assessment on the move, what you thought, what it means moving forward. Well, you hope the best for both players that are involved in this deal. So Brody Crane and Christopher O'Flaherty, if we look at the start of this season, these guys are 18 and 19, and neither one of them had been able to find the back of the net, and both of them can. And so this is maybe an opportunity for these two players to get that change of scenery. And that's exactly what we talked about with London Knights Associate General Manager Rob Simpson. I think that, you know, he's kind of in the similar situation as Brody was where they've showed some good things throughout the league. They've they've done, you know, some positive things, but they needed a little bit of a fresh start. I think he's a big body. He has skill. Uh, when I've seen him play at his best, he's played, you know, with a physical element and, and used his body and his size to protect pucks and work off of the cycle. Um, so, you know, we're hoping that with both teams that maybe a little bit of change of scenery kind of lights a spark and you get a little bit more of each guy. So sometimes it can just be that simple. And that's what you want. These are still teenage players. Brody Crane has been to training camp with the New Jersey Devils before. O'Flaherty is a guy who, again, has that grit to him and certainly has a great release on his shot. Guy who loves to work out in the gym He's somebody that you want to see get a little bit more offense to his game, so maybe he can get that chance at the next level. And maybe that's exactly what it does. Brody Crane was able to make his Niagara Ice Dogs debut immediately. Tough game for Niagara. They lost 7-2 to the Sudbury Wolves. But he joined some guys who he knows in Ryan Humphrey and Matthew Paris and Michael Levin and Connor Federkow. And so you have some familiarity, and I think that really helps because he's got an awful lot of talent and maybe just the, you know, just the way that things were working. Hang on, let me say it again. And who knows? Maybe he jumps up and scores 30 goals the rest of the way this year. I think everybody on both sides would be delighted if he was able to do that. And I think everybody in Niagara is hoping the same thing for Christopher O'Flaherty. So one of those good moves where hopefully you get a win-win on either side. And that was not the only move that the Knights have made in the last couple of weeks. We actually got an email from Ray, and I want to get to that email. You can email anytime, mike at 980cfpl.ca if you've got a question relating to the Knights. And Ray says the Knights sign Brendan Gerber and then Finn Wilson. How do they have room for these guys? So if we go back 
week and a bit ago, the Knights did sign Brendan Gerber, and he was off to a great start with the Elmira Sugar Kings. And then this past week, they signed goaltender Finn Wilson. And he's somebody that is a goalie. And you think, well, wait a minute. The Knights have Michael Simpson and they have Owen Wilmore. Both have been playing very well. And then you've got Alexi Medvedev, who's been playing a lot with the St. Thomas Stars. This makes four goalies. How does this work? And it is a lot about just having players. And remember, if you can't find a place to play on your roster, the Knights are going to find you a place, and other teams are going to do this too. They're going to find you a place to play because that's part of the development side of junior hockey. So we actually talked with London Knights general manager Mark Hunter to get an idea on why you do things like this and, and how you have to look to the future. First of all, training camp, we uh, we bring young men in, and the, the Gerber boy and uh, Finn, and, and uh, we watch them in training camp, get to know them a bit more and go through the process of how well they did and get our feedback from the coaching staff and, the, and our scouts. And, and they both had real good training camps. And then they went back to, we followed them when they went back to Tier 2 and, and Junior B. And you know, I think uh, uh, Brendan Gerber's uh, third leading goal scorer in the whole league. And Finn Wilson was like the top three goalies. Um, so, you know, you make decisions and you know what? And they deserve that right to be signed and have the opportunity to play for the London Knights and and, and you know what, uh, continue to get better as a player and as a person. Can never have enough players, right? After all no, these years, no. can you ever have enough? No, and you got to make decisions because there's other options out for players now. And, you know, you know, can't wait too long, Mike, to, to make decisions. And, you know, that's one thing about our organization. We make decisions and, and uh, hopefully the, these two young guys are going to be big-time players for us. What do you see from your team so far? You know what? A little bit inconsistent. I mean, it's going to be interesting this weekend. We do have a tough schedule, but everybody has a tough schedule coming up. So, uh, you know, we've got a couple three and threes coming up and had just one three and three done. Um, but, uh, you know what? I'd like to see uh, more consistency in our game. I'd like to see a little bit more secondary scoring. And, uh, you know, what? I think we, if we can start to do that, and, and of course, you know, get our power play going where it's, I think it should be up in the you know, top five or six. I think that's. We, you know, there's things we need to work on, but every year, you know what, there's things to work on. And, you know, I looked at a stat yesterday, and we've scored more goals right now than we did last year. I didn't know that. I thought we had less. So, you know what, and our team kind of built momentum from last year, and we just, you know, started gaining ground and gaining ground. And hopefully we can get that going and, you know, gain some confidence. And, you know, it's a lot of parity in the league right now. No one knows who's going to win on a given night, and you know what, that's uh, good for our league. And you know what? Who knows what we're going to do this weekend? That's going to be up to the guys in the dressing room and uh, see where we go. Yeah, teams you would have thought, oh, maybe, maybe they, you know, they might not be as competitive. They're super competitive. Yes, you know. So, you know, there's, there's teams that uh, you know played played over their expectations. Or a lot of us are just kind of we're okay, but you know, we all want to get better and, and prove that we're one of the top teams by the end of the year. Good luck. Thanks, Mike. Mark Hunter on signing players and then on his team. And he was very matter of fact. Look at the things that he said about the London Knights, Kyle. He says he wants to see more consistency from the team. He believes the power play can be a top five, six power play in the league. And against the Windsor Spitfires, it sure looked like it. Three power play goals on six opportunities. Now, one of those was five on three, but you got to make a five on three work as well. And then the other part of this is... The fact that they're scoring more goals than he thought they were. And and it 
feels that way. If you think back to last year, immediately we remember the end of the year and we remember how far the London Knights went all the way to the OHL championship. And yet at the beginning of the year, the team this season was scoring more goals even before they went into Windsor and got 10, but they're scoring more goals than they were a year ago. And that's something that Mark admits he didn't even realize. I don't think really any of us realized it. I hadn't done the side-by-side math either. So interesting to hear his thoughts. Just wants a little more consistency and to certainly see a little bit more of that, that secondary scoring, which we certainly saw against the Windsor Spitfires. Well, and then on top of that, too, you had all the big guys. You had Cowan, Barkey, Halton, and O'Reilly. All four of those guys with at least three-point nights. And it's it's funny. Last year, we talked about that team, about how deep they were and how you could get scoring from, from everywhere. And then with the acquisitions of Ryan Winterton and Ryan Humphrey, we're going to talk about Winterton in just a little bit as well. But I think last year, Mike, if I'm correct, with the Knights, they, they were, I think, one of the very few teams that were a playoff team that didn't have a player hit 80 points or something like that. It was, it was around that number and the 30 goal scorer as well. There was not a 30 goal scorer on the team. And to think that you're going to go as deep as you did and you didn't have a 30 goal scorer in the OHL. How does that happen? It's crazy. And it was, it was fun because you got to watch a multitude of players hit the 20 goal platform. You had George Diaco, you had Easton Cowan and Denver Barkey and Winterton really came along, even though I don't think he hit the 20 goal mark, but he was a point per game player. And there was just players from all over the ice that could score that they really did it by committee. And, you know, we're kind of seeing a very similar sense with this team so far. We're starting to see a little bit more getting carried by the big players, including Cowan, Barkey and Halton. And, but there have been, a widespread of players that have contributed. And yesterday on Thursday was a perfect example of that, about multiple guys scoring goals. Rusin Gazazov getting a couple on the night as well. Uh, Ryder Bolton scoring his second of the season. So it's, it is a by committee feel, which is, I think what the hunters want this team to be, but getting more goals than they did last year is an awfully good sign of them moving forward. And another guy to watch for just because of how good his shot is is Jackson Edward. The goals he scored this year have been absolute snipes. One was just a howitzer in Brantford and just a great goal last night. And he's not somebody who has relied on for offense, but he's finding himself on the second power play unit. And if he is able to get an opening and use his shot, it is an outstanding shot. So it's another person to watch for in terms of creating a little bit more scoring offense. Let's preview Owen Sound and Guelph. Remember, if you're hearing this before the Owen Sound game on November 10th, please bring along hats and mitts to donate. There is uh, a collection that will be taken at a number of spots on the concourse. So if you can bring along hats and mitts to donate on that night. And then November 11th will be the Guelph Storm game, and the Knights will have their Remembrance Day ceremony prior to the game. If we look at the two hockey games, Kyle, the attack lost to the Knights last Saturday. Then they lost to the Kitchener Rangers 5-0. So they come in a little hungry, but they still have that number four power play in the league. It's clicking Mm. at 26.9%. Denny Gore is an overager. This guy came into the league as a high pick, 10th overall. And he's somebody who has played his 
complement of years minus the pandemic year, obviously. But he's someone that if you had to select an overager of the year right now, I think it would be him. He's got 21 points. When he's on the ice, he controls things. He really does. The one thing that Owen Sound maybe doesn't have is scoring depth. And it's hard to have that, period. But if you can find a way to neutralize those top guys, you give yourself a pretty good chance to win. So that will be the goal. Stay out of the penalty box against Owen Sound because, Kyle, that power play, as we talked about going into the last Owen Sound game, those guys have worked together for not this year, not this year and a few months last year, years. They've been together that long. They know each other. That power play is slick because of it. And continuity is so important when you're trying to run a power play or a penalty kill because the more you work with people, the better you understand their tendencies, the better you understand where they're going to be, what they're going to do. You know if a one-touch pass is coming, you're ready for it in anticipation versus if you're working with somebody new, you're still trying to work out all the kinks and figure it out. And I feel like at the beginning of the season with the Knights, that's kind of where their power play was with a guy in the release of a, of, of Casper Halton. And, uh, Easton Cowan wasn't with the Knights to begin the season as he was with camp with the Toronto Maple Leafs and so you get a couple big guns back and you could tell they were working through some things but there is an awful lot of talent on the night side but you're right with the Owen sound side everyone has been in cohesion for the better part of multiple years that everyone knows the role everyone knows their spot everyone knows what they're trying to accomplish and it's showing number four power play at almost 27 percent it's been it's been one of their big things but you mentioned it if they can neutralize Danny Gore. If they can neutralize Sam Sedley, it's going to give them a really good opportunity to win. Those are the guys where the plays go through. And then you've got Colby Barlow, and you've got Cedric oh Gandall, and you've got a lot of weapons. And <laughs> Ethan Burroughs is an excellent player. And then you've got the size of Landon Hookie. But, yeah, if you can find a way to really focus in on Sam Sedley and Denny Gore, watch for those guys. A lot goes through them. And then we look at the Guelph Storm, Kyle, and, hey, good on the Guelph Storm. Last year, had trouble early on keeping the puck out of their net. And Braden Gillespie has really addressed that. He's been really, really good. I was laughing because there's there's an old line, and Jeff Merrick brings it up every once in a while on 32 Thoughts, the podcast. And it's someone who said, hey, we got to change the name of this sport. You know, it's called hockey. We should just call it goalie because – Goalies make that much of a difference. And Kyle, you, as a former goaltender, can appreciate it. Braden Gillespie leads in goals against average. He's got a 925 save percentage. He's been outstanding for the Guelph Storm. And last year, they dug themselves out of a real hole at the beginning where they hardly won it all in the first month and then made it all the way to ninth overall in the standings. And they did that because they they brought up Braden Gillespie and he was still learning as a rookie, but now he's settling in. And so that's been such a big part of the storm. They play it defensive and their special teams are dynamite. Number one in the penalty kill, number two on the power play. And not to mention, too, number one in just goals against average as a whole. And, you know, as a, as a goaltender, you obviously want to take all the credit for sure. And there is a lot of it to be given, uh, given to Brain Gillespie. But at the same time, it is always nice when a goaltender comes into a situation where the team is very structurally and defensively sound. It, it, it often helps out the goaltender as well. But when you've got the best of both worlds, when you've got a goaltender who's playing with laser focus and is locked in and is starting to settle into, you know, the crease and his team around him, 
on top of the team playing a very structured game, it makes for a very, very difficult dynamic duo to try and beat as an offensive team. And that is going to be a very big test, not only just for the Knights and playing the Guelph Storm so often, but also playing them in their third third game in three days. You know, we saw that, you know, last weekend with the Knights where they went into, they won their first two games, an overtime game, and then the last minute game against Owen Sound, and then kind of just ran out of gas against the Kitchener Rangers. It'll be a good test for them to finish off the weekend on the Saturday and see how they do. Will not be easy in the way that the Kitchener game was not easy. The Knights played their most complete game of the season, maybe even still against the Guelph Storm in a 4-1 victory, and that was when Guelph was the last remaining unbeaten team, last remaining perfect team in the OHL. Before we close out, let's talk about two players. One, William Moore, Knights' first-round pick in 2023, having himself an under-17s because he leads the under-17s in scoring. He's got five goals and six assists for 11 points in five games, and in a scrum some of the reporters talking with Henry Brustevich were joking with Henry because he knows William Moore. Hey, you're telling him what it's like in London. He says, yeah, I'm trying to tell him what it's like. One day you could be here. Don't know when or if that could be. He's with the U.S. National Development Team right now. But when you're leading the under-17s, all of your peers in scoring, that's pretty impressive. And the other impressive thing Kyle Ryan Winterton made his NHL debut on Thursday night with the Seattle Kraken. Oh, it was it was so fun to watch. I I love the London Knights for for showing support to all of their graduates from the program. And even though Ryan Winterton really only came over for about three quarters of a season, he was such a big part of last year's run all the way to the OHL finals. And Ryan Winterton got his very first crack in the National Hockey League. He did the he didn't wear a bucket during his first three laps. He shot a couple pucks before anyone even joined him <laughs> on the ice. And listen. He went into the game on the road against the Colorado Avalanche, who, you know, are, are a couple of years ago removed from a Stanley Cup. And he played just over seven minutes. He wasn't on the ice for a goal against. He uh, played himself a pretty good role over there. And I'm uh, I just I can't wait to see what he does moving forward. He had a hit. He had a shot. He played 701 and potentially you know, maybe there's a, a chance for a game or two more. I don't know if he's going to stay up for the entirety of this year. But he reminds me a lot of when Luke Evangelista played a couple games in Nashville, got sent back down. He was tearing it up at the AHL level to a point where they just couldn't keep him down there anymore. If Ryan Winterton, I think, stays on that projection, he could be with Seattle full-time as early as next year. And Winterton is such a great skater that he can fulfill a lot of roles. So he's somebody that can play all the way up and down the lineup. And the fact that he got in against a high-paced opponent in Colorado and fit in nicely and and didn't try and do too much, you just go out and and you play and you try, like you said, Kyle, don't be a minus, don't be a minus. That's all you want at the end of the game in your first NHL game, and he played it very well. And the Knights actually on their way back from Windsor. We're watching Ryan Winterton's game the entirety of the way home. So missed the first period, but they saw a couple of shifts and you could always tell when he was on the ice. When you saw 26 go by, there'd be a noise going all the way back through the bus that, ah, there he is. And so that support was there from his old teammates in London as well. So the Knights finish out three games in three nights with games against Owen Sound and Guelph. We'll recap those next week. 
And don't forget to bring the hats in the midst of the Owen Sound game. And don't forget to get there just a little bit early to be in your seats in time for the Remembrance Day ceremony that is going to take place before the Knights take on the Guelph Storm. Going to be a lot of fun. Uh, just quickly, I want to mention in the seven games for Ryan Winterton this season so far with Coachella Valley, he has five points in seven games, three goals. So off to a pretty good start there. Gets a chance with the big club, and uh, we'll see what happens moving forward from there. Mike mentioned it. A couple more games to recap coming up on the next episode, and follow along. Follow Mike all weekend long at uh, Stubbs980 for uh, all the highlights, as he calls the games with our friends over at 980 CFPL. And you can follow myself at Calgramard, GR. R-I-M-A-R-D. The podcast, whether it's Spotify, Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, we'll get this one up and ready to go before the weekend. Enjoy. Make sure to, to celebrate and commemorate Remembrance Day, and we'll be back next week.